This episode is brought to you by Manscaped. Manscaped is a premier male grooming company with the star Lawnmower 3.0, and we want to be able to share the savings with you, our awesome listeners. Use the promo code BLUECHIP to get 20% off your next order. Don't let your balls down. Get the Lawnmower 3.0. Your balls will thank you. What's up, guys? Welcome back to the Big Shots NFL Draft Podcast. I'm your host, Mike Ignition. I am joined, as always, by my colleague over at Blue Chip Scouting, the best co-host in the business, Devin Jackson. Devin, how are you doing today, man? Pretty good, man. Can't complain. Um, you know, for those listening, uh, we're recording on Friday, so happy Canada Day to Mike and, and all the Canadians out there. We're nearing the 4th of July, too, as well in the state, so can't complain too much. Um, yeah, I mean, as, as much as we, uh, cover football, I feel like we've been just talking about the NBA the last couple of days. And then obviously the, the big news and the big 10. So, uh, you know, scouting is kind of taking a little bit of a backseat with all this news going on in the NBA and college football. Just a bit. Uh, so the reason we're recording on Friday, uh, Devin and I both had a lot happen, you know, uh, last week into this week, uh, really got in the way of us being able to record on Sunday for Monday. So we're going to try to get this one up for, for Friday night or Saturday morning. And then we will have our Monday podcast anyways. So you, you get a double dose of us in a very short period of time. I haven't quite figured out if that's a good thing or not. Uh, I think it's a good thing, but I don't know about, I don't know about you, Dan. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I mean, <laughs> it's, yeah, that, that's, that's all I have to say. <laughs> a little bit funny. It's yeah, yeah. All right. So, Devin, today on Friday, because it's July 1st, start of it, everything starts on July 1st. I'm pretty sure NBA free agency starts today. NHL free agency starts in like a couple of hours, I think. Uh, Canada Day. Most leagues, some I, I think uh, in Europe, the the soccer free agency starts today. Like everything starts today, so why not drop a big board, right? Makes sense. That's the start of my league year. So I normally have my my first big board out like middle of May. I actually took my time and didn't rush this one, Devin. So this is some very well thought out rankings, in my opinion. So, of course, we do the time-honored tradition of I put all this time and effort into watching players and posting a big board, and then Devin rips it to shred us on a podcast. Yep, it's a tradition as old as time. Um, as old as time. Yeah, so I guess my first thing I noticed, uh, I would say, is uh, Jackson Smith Jigba. He's a he's a top five player for you and yes, uh, wide receiver one. Um, what what about him? You know, you have him over Keshawn Boutte, who people also has have as wide receiver one. So so what went into that decision? I think that he's a really crisp route runner, and I think a lot of people are overthinking this because, well, you know, when you look at the production and. You know, this, that, and the third. This dude was a third-string wide receiver behind two guys that went in the top 15 last year. Uh, he's fine. I mean, he worked 
really well in the slot. He's going to do fine on the outside. Crisp route runner, good hands, good athleticism. Uh, comes from an athletic family. His brother plays professional baseball for the Pirates. I don't know. I don't watch baseball, but I do know his brother's a pro baseball player. Um, you know, runs a, a pretty diverse route tree, all things considered. Uh, you know, at Ohio State, I know they don't ask them to run the most complex route tree, but they do more so than, say, Baylor, where those guys come out and run a single route their entire career. Um and I've also learned over the years, just never bet against an Ohio State wide receiver as long as Brian Hartline is there. These guys come out ready to go. They're always in, in the discussion for wide receiver one. Uh, and he's got a good size profile. This is everything that you want in, in a top wide receiver. Now, do I think by the time the draft comes around, he's going to be a top five player? Maybe, maybe not. Um, I do think that overall the the wide receiver talent is a little lower. And I do think that, when you look at my overall, you know, board, I think players like Brian Bressy, who's coming off of a, off of an injury, can rise. Uh, Noah Sewell from Oregon, Kel- uh, Keely Ringo. Uh, I have Bryce Young outside the top ten, and there's a chance that he rises and becomes a top five player. So I don't think that by the time we're having this conversation in April, he'll still be a top five player on my board because things are subject to change. I once had Sage Surratt as a top 25 player in the first big board and he ended up finishing around like 200 for me so a lot of this is subject to change but i I think that i have the most confidence in him being the top wide receiver in this class if that makes any sense gotcha gotcha uh top corner you have on in your rankings is uh keely ringo Uh, a little surprised by that by that name in the top what would separate him from guys like you know eli riggs clark Clark Phillips III that, you know, people are pretty big fans of. I came away incredibly unimpressed with Eli Ricks during his sophomore season. I just, I, w- I was watching the film and I'm like, you know, the, the the ability is there. He had a great game against UCLA and then everything just kind of went downhill and there's a reason he ended up transferring. Now, again, a year at Alabama can do a lot of people a lot of good and I wouldn't be surprised if he ends up being an absolute stud with the tide the problem is is he could also very easily get lost in that depth chart when you look at keely ringo you're looking at someone that's 6'2 205 sticky in coverage yeah he had a bad game in the in the uh in the sec championship game they kind of picked at him because they didn't want to oddly enough they didn't want to go at darian kendrick that game which i think you and i talked about on this very podcast where it's like why weren't they targeting darian kendrick they just picked at the the red shirt freshman probably because he was a red shirt freshman and then he bounced back at a great game against, was it Michigan that they faced in the semis? It was Michigan, right? Yeah. And then in the national title game, he ends up sealing the game with a, with a pick six. But again, 6-2, plays at 205. Heard somewhere he might play as, as heavy as like 215, which is gigantic for a corner. Strong, uh, you know, easy, easily jams wide receivers off, the, you know, uh, off their route path. And then, of course, always willing to make a play on the ball. And I'd rather someone where they're they're selective in when they want to get aggressive you know, at the catch point. Like, Keely Ringo can give up a big play here and there, but he's not, like, always trying to make the big play. He knows when to pick his spots. And I think that that's very crucial. When you look at the rest of the corner class, for example, you know, you mentioned uh, uh, Eli Ricks was a little disappointing. Clark Phillips the third. he's a little undersized. I think he's, like, 5'10 and like 
185, 190, could that mean that he ends up being a slot at the next level? Likely. Um, I like Emmanuel Forbes uh, from Mississippi State. The kid just creates turnovers. He's got nine interceptions in two years uh, with the Bulldogs. And then Cam Smith, I think, is basically just another J.C. Horn, which is really good. Um, But no, I think, again, Ringo... He's so young, has such a high ceiling, and his floor is pretty high, too. I, this this has all the makings of, like, a top 12 pick so far. Yeah, speaking of undersized players, Kalijah uh, Cansey from Pitt. He's uh, in, I believe, your top three in, in the defensive line rankings. Do you have concerns about his projection to the next level with him being undersized? Uh, compared to some of the some of the some of those other guys on the list, Devin, I can't help myself with undersized pass rushing defensive tackles. I've never been able to do so. Uh, I, I don't know what it is. I, I liked um, Darius Stills the other year from West Virginia, and he was like super small at at defensive tackle. Like Darius Stills was like two seventy. Kalijah Cansey is about two eighty five, if I remember correctly. Um, I'm pulling it up now. Hang on. Kalijah Kansi is six foot and 275. So he's he's very close to Darius Stills size. Um, you know, uh that Pitt had the other defensive tackle that I liked a couple years ago, Twyman, who was like 6'1 and 290. Uh, I don't know what it is about Pitt defensive tackles that are small that I just can't help myself with in the preseason process. But the kid's an animal. He doesn't give up on any reps and he's really strong for that size. Like when, when we, when I went back and objectively watched like guys like Twyman and, uh, and, and stills for finally vows, you're like, yeah, they're like six foot six, one, you know, 273 pounds or whatever, but they don't, they don't have the strength to hold up at the next level. Like they get brushed aside easily and they're predicated purely on speed, and then Twyman didn't test well. Kalaja Kansi is a strong dude. He's strong with, like, several capital letters thrown in there, Devin. Um, but he's also coming off year seven sacks. Um, there was one game, and I'm trying to remember which one it was. I took my notes on it here. Virginia uh, was a really good game. Uh, one and a half sacks. I mean, he can chuck offensive lineman hither and yawn and for a dude that's literally a bowling ball of a human being it's like if a bowling ball grew feet that is Kalijah Kansi for you uh I I just I can't help myself Devin it's early it's early and there's still plenty of time for me to be wrong but there's also plenty of time for me to be right yeah the reason I asked that because I remember you you were a big fan of Jalen Twyman a couple years ago so and Darius Stills. Him. That was the same draft class. Yep, yep. Certainly has a Neither one of those worked out well, lineup. did they? Never know, man. I like, I, mean, my, I like my defensive lineman shorter than me. There you have it. I mean, look, Pitt has a good track record. I mean, they got Aaron Donald in the league, so. I, mean, I swear, can, every never... time I see an undersized Pitt defensive tackle, part of me gets just a little too excited. Quarterbacks. You know, this question was going to come, but um, you got Van Dyke and Phil Dracovic uh, ahead of Will Levis. 
I think we're kind of on the same level when we see from Levis, but I was wondering what went into that particular ranking considering, you know, Lev Van Dyke has a little bit of a less, uh, you know, film out there per se compared to those other two guys. When you watch Will Levis, the big thing that, that, that you see, and we talked about this when he was a prospect last year, he just decided to go back. Like he's, He'll dink and dunk the fuck, pardon my language, he'll dink and duck the fuck out of you for an entire quarter, and then he'll uncork a deep ball. And uh, by the way, De- if, if you guys are listening to this, Devin just gave me like the Matumbo finger wag because I cussed. Uh, and I've, I've been trying not to. Wasn't going to happen, though. It's okay. You can't. Re- if you're watching this, you can't really see Devin anyways because his computer keeps going out of focus. Uh, <laughs> but... When you watch Levis, like he'll dink and dunk a team to death for like a quarter, quarter and a half, uncork a deep ball, and the accuracy is fine. I wish he'd be a, he'd be a little bit more willing to push the ball down the field. And like, I just I I see a guy when I watch the film, and I go like, all right, cool, you're you're not ready to start year one, despite being I think he's going to be twenty three by the time the draft comes. Which, if that sounds familiar, that's what we said about every single quarterback in last year's class. Uh, you know that they were twenty two, twenty three, but shouldn't see the field right away. He would have been a perfect fit in the twenty twenty two class, but in twenty twenty three, with a lot of guys with higher upside, and I am doing a bit more projection with this. Like, yes, that's how someone where Tyler Van Dyke, who has eight career starts ends up being ahead of him because Levis is a bit of on, on the smaller size of a quarterback. Like he's not Bryce young where he's five foot 11 in quotation marks, 185 pounds in quotation marks. Like Levis is a decently sized quarterback. I think he's like six two two fifteen ish, something around there. Uh, you know me, I, I love to bring up, uh, height weight profiles and I never know what they actually are, but Van Dyke has a comparable arm. He's six, four, I think he's a little bit more mobile, has a lot more upside. And I also think that with an offense such as, uh, Oregon's, yeah. Is it the most, you know, the old Oregon offense coming in? Coming into Miami, yeah, we saw Justin Herbert, and that's not an apples to apples comparison. And if anyone anyone does uh, quote me on that, then I am coming for you. Uh, but if you, you know when you look at what that offense does, it's very safe. And we 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 came out of uh, uh, Herbert's evaluation wondering, like, well, what can he really do? It's very safe. Well, he had the kind of balls to the wall, you know, risky riskier throws as a, you know, as a red shirt freshman last year w- with Miami. Now that that offensive system is coming in, we're going to see what he can do in a more refined, the numbers should go up. We're not going to see him make a ton of risky throws. A lot of, you know, a lot of mistakes. And that speaks well. NFL teams have liked that. It worked out well for the chargers because they end up getting themselves Justin Herbert because teams were a little bit scared off by the lack of throws. Now we've seen Van Dyke hit throws, all three levels consistently. I'd like to see him get his accuracy up from like 60, 61%. I think it was if he can get into like the 60, you know, 63 to 65%, that would be fantastic for that type of system. Um, I just, this came down to, to, to upside. I've always thought that Phil Dracovich was a better quarterback than Will Levis anyways. And I think that Tyler Van Dyke has the higher upside because whereas those guys can be, 
long-term backups, you know, or low-end starters. I think that Van Dyke, while he's a riskier uh, player at this point, there is a chance that maybe he could be a top, like an above replacement uh, level quarterback at the next level. Yeah, for sure. Um, see, if I don't think the running backs really stuck out to me. In in my opinion, I feel like they're. I think the only one for running back that that might that might get some people is that I have uh, Deuce Vaughn just outside the top five. Yeah, you. I think you explicitly said he's going to be in your your top five backs no matter what. So I. So I you know what? I said that. I said that, and I remember saying that. I said it on a podcast. But then when you start watching guys and you're like, Bijan Robinson is 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 Southern Saquon. Like, like there, there, there's no denying it. The man, the man is Saquon Barkley 2.0. I said the man. He's like 21 years old. God damn. Uh, <laughs> uh, but like Jameer Gibbs, I really think he's in for a huge rise this year at Alabama. Like poor Georgia Tech, man. Like they lose Jameer Gibbs. They bring in a transfer quarterback that, to, to start ahead of Jeff Sims. Why is it Georgia Tech anti-fun? Um, you know, Sean Tucker is really freaking good. He has no business being at Syracuse with how good he is. I'm sorry to, to our Syracuse fan listeners. And I also apologize to Matthew Bergeron, who, though, I've interviewed and goes to Syracuse. Uh, please don't hurt me. Um, and then, like, Zach Evans had a kind of up-and-down year at TCU. He'll have a bounce-back year at Ole Miss. I can pretty much guarantee that. The only way he, he has, like, uh, uh, he fails to have a bounce-back year is if we get, like, another Eric Gray situation this year where Ole Miss goes, oh, wait, hang on, never mind. We've got uh, Ulysses Bentley from SMU. He's also here. Yes, Ole Miss's backfield is entirely made up of transfer players this year. Uh, and then uh, Devon Chain from Texas A&M. He might be the fastest player in college football. Like, it is ridiculous how fast he is. So, yeah. unfortunately, Deuce Vaughn <clears throat> didn't crack the top five somehow, man. It's a good running back class. Yeah, uh, yeah. I mean, you know, after last year's, I don't think last year's class was bad, but certainly the talent isn't. I still can't believe my like my RB one went in round four, man. Was your RB one again? It was Isaiah Spiller. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm pretty sure I have Brees Hall RB one. Uh, I have to go back and look. But anyway, <laughs> yeah. But anyway, uh, last one I want to ask about before we get you out of here. I would probably say I'm going to go tight end. Obviously, Michael Mayer, I think, should be everyone's tight end one. But afterwards, I think you have a bit of an interesting list. I know you've only watched six to this point. So. That was the thing. I needed to wait till I watched five at every position. And tight end was one where I'm like, it is so hard to do summer scouting on tight ends most years because there is a whole lot of projection and – College tight ends do not get a lot of targets. That's true. Can I offer one player I think you might really like? Uh, Benjamin Eurosek from Stanford. On my list. On my list. And he, I, I knew of him beforehand because of our friends at the NFL Stock Exchange podcast where they, they uh, Connor and Trevor 
did a great job breaking down uh, Stanford's. Vi- this is going to lead to a tangent. Stanford's very weird bio sections. Well, well, well. Did you did, did, do you know what I'm talking about? I do not. Okay, no. so you know, he's like I think he's from Colorado. His dad played. Uh, uh, his dad played basketball at Colorado State. His mom played volleyball at Colorado State. And his great-grandfather is credited with inventing the baby carrot. Oh, wow. Yeah, I'm literally reading this. <laughs> okay. Um, th- Family th- owns horses, cows, and chickens. <laughs> uh, there's an offensive lineman from Stanford that I have to watch, Walter Rouse. And his is is as weird. Uh, you know, they have uh, you know, son of Hillary Lucas and the late Victor Rouse, grandfather Walter Rouse was an American all American uh basketball player at Loyola Chicago, grandfather hit winning shot of in overtime of the nineteen sixty three NCAA championship game. He was an uh Walter is an Eagle Scout and a pescatarian. Uh, they answered some questions for NFL teams already. <laughs> Don't even have to ask. But yes, can't wait, for his, can't wait for his draft stock to tank because he's a pescatarian now. I had to Google Thanks, what Stanford. that meant. I had to Google what that meant. Stanford are their big words. Uh, but no, your sex on my list is the point I was trying to make. Very long-winded explanation. <laughs> but that's just weird, man. Back back to the tight end. So I have it: Michael Meyer. Sam Laporta, Jaheim Bell from South Carolina, Cameron Latu from Alabama, Arik Gilbert uh, from Georgia, and Dalton Kincaid from from Utah. So Meyer's the obvious one. Uh, I really would like uh, evaluators and college broadcasters and every people on Twitter to stop calling every white tight end that wears eighty seven baby Gronk. Uh, I don't know who I need to speak to that. Do I need to speak to my local representative? Do I need to take this? Never mind. I'm not gonna. I'm not gonna make the joke. Uh, <laughs> I was gonna make a joke, and then I thought better of it. Um, <laughs> however, uh, Sam Laporta from Iowa, you know, under recruited wide receiver uh, coming out of high school, bulked up. He's a pretty good athlete for his size. I think he's two forty five or two fifty at about six four. Good blocker. Good tight. End. I was prepared for him to come out last year. Funny story on Sam uh, on Laporta. I finished his uh, initial report for the draft profile two days before the underclassman deadline, and then he went back to school. Love that. So I was prepared for him to be a third round player in last year's class. Um, Jaheim Bell is like all athlete. Uh, I know. Uh, Tyler Browning, this one is exclusively for you. Uh, Jaheim, Jaheim Bell, undersized tight end, but this is this is a dude where you just line him up as a big slot and have fun. And I think that when he actually now that he'll have a somewhat decent quarterback throwing him the football, we should see production go up. Uh, he's going to have Spencer Rattler throwing him the football. I understand that Austin Stogner is also coming into South Carolina, but there's a reason Austin Stogner had to transfer. It's because he's not very good, and he was going to lose a starting spot at Oklahoma. Uh, Stogner should have just declared for the draft and gone in the sixth round. Um, Cameron Latu, the reason why Jaleel Billingsley is now a wide receiver at Texas. Uh, Listen, 
Alabama doesn't use their tight ends for anything other than blocking. And Cameron Latu can get you 10 to 15 catches a year uh, with Alabama, but he's also a former defensive end that converted to tight end and brings a mean streak in the run game. Uh, at this point, that is a difference maker. I think that this is someone that's like a late day two, early day three tight end. Uh, Arik Gilbert hasn't played in a year, so you have to go back and you have to watch his 2020 film at LSU. And you see a dude that's like 6'7", 260, but doesn't play like it at all. He's kind of soft at the catch point. I talked to you about this one the other day. Uh, soft at the catch point. Really, like, corners should not be roughing you up when you have 70 pounds on them, man. It's just, why? Like, how? How, how do you let this happen is, is, is my big thing. And I went and I watched every – I watched every target he had from that 2020 season. And I was like, you're, again, big dude. How is a defensive back from Vanderbilt causing you, like, that much trouble? Like, you have 70 pounds on this dude that is never going to sniff professional football at any level. Why are they causing you fits? So, yeah, great athlete. I need him to do something else at some, at some point, and I haven't seen it. And then Dalton Kincaid could have come out in last year's class. Again, would have would not have been surprised if he was like an early fourth-round pick. Um, you know, kind of your well-rounded um, blocking tight end that's still developing as a pass catcher because he played in like a wing offense in high school, which is like he, he got to – he walked on to Utah – he had like three career catches in high school because they just ran the. It, it was something out of a Canadian playbook. Happy Canada Day, but yeah, like no production. He was a zero star recruit, so was a walk on and has really developed in his time at Utah. Finally, starting to become a little bit more of a of a, a focal point in the passing game as much as you can at Utah when they're thirteen deep at tight end and just line up nothing but tight ends. Um. Yeah, this tight end class is a little weird. I have some names I still need to watch, like Darnell Washington from Georgia. Uh, by the way, that's the other thing. Arik Gilbert is like the third string tight end at his own school. Uh, but like, there are names that, that I still need to watch. I have no idea what to even classify Jaleel Billingsley as now, because apparently he's down to 210 pounds. You're, you're on mute. Oh, I was saying that's not good. Yeah, yeah, he's 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 dropped to like 210, 215 at six foot three, six foot four. I'm um, big slot, maybe. <laughs> big, yeah. I mean, I don't well, know I mean, if he was say big. He anymore. was returning kicks last year, so maybe we've been classifying. Maybe he's been playing out of position all this time. He just couldn't get maybe. on the field as a receiver. I don't know if he's going to get on man. the field as a receiver either at Texas, so. I mean, I, they, I they can gotta... assure you he can't. I don't know what to do with with, with some of these guys, man. Uh, is there any any last thoughts before we get on out of here? Not that I could think of. I I do want to just I, I've mentioned this a few times, but if you look at the at the I have fifteen offensive tackles and seven guards. All right, I've actually watched eight uh, interior offensive linemen. The problem is, is that Christian Mahogany will just not be in this year's class as a redshirt sophomore that tore his ACL uh, like a month ago, actually less than a month ago. He won't be playing this year. So there is a very small chance 
that that he's even in this class. So I didn't. I I did a scouting report. It's on the site. He's just not on the board for obvious reasons. This offensive line class is very bizarre. There is like Paris Johnson at the top, and he's all projection. And then like Skaronsky is probably the best offensive lineman in the class, but short arms. There are some concerns about his overall size. There are personal, like I have my concerns about his weird, like backpedaling crap he does, which I spent like five minutes complaining about on a different podcast we did. Um, but like everyone else is like, great. You could be an early day two player or we don't hear from you at all by the time April comes. Like, Zion Nelson, is he finally going to progress? Because right now I have him at uh, 10th at offensive tackle. Is he finally going to take that step into being a top five tackle? Or is he just going to stay being, like, some guy that gets drafted in, like, the fifth or sixth round? Or, like, even some of the guys I'm high on. A good year, great. You're, You're a top 50 player. A bad year? Well, you're also a senior, so yeah. it's a very weird offensive tackle class, man. I have so many people grouped between the start of the second round and the start of the fourth. There's like 12 of them just at offensive tackle. And then at guard, yeah. it's just a whole bunch of ass kickers because you have guys like uh, like Emil Keor, Caleb Chandler, Adonis Boone, Jared Patterson, Andrew Voorhees, which is a very fitting name for uh, for an interior offensive line. Uh, and then, I mean, Jordan McFadden is an offensive is an offensive tackle that's going to have to move into uh, to guard because he's listed at six foot two. Oh, there you have it. You got anything else, or are we good to go? No, we're good to go. I, like I said, I haven't watched a ton of players this week, so I don't have a lot to add. But you know, we'll saving see how it, many I can saving get it to for in, Monday uh, next month. Saving it for Monday, man. July Fourth special. There you go. <laughs> All right. Well, until next time, guys. You can find me on Twitter at Mike H underscore Jackson. Find Devin on Twitter at Real D underscore Jackson. Follow the show on Twitter at Big Shots Pod. Follow our work at Blue Chip Scouting. Follow Blue Chip Scouting at Blue Chip Scouting. We will see you guys on Monday.